You asked, we answered. Many of you have asked that each show on the Man of God Network be transitioned to its own RSS feed on iTunes or the podcast app that you use. We've heard your request. Each show on the Man of God Network is now available on its own unique RSS feed. This makes it easier to search for previous episodes, yet all of our shows are still connected on one channel. You can find this by searching the Man of God by CBT Seminary channel on iTunes. If you've enjoyed our content, please consider subscribing to each show on the Man of God Network channel as we move content over. And thanks for listening to the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Podcast Network of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm here with Pastors Joe Wilson and Lee McKinnon, and the topic of our discussion today is the pastor and his family. We're going to be talking about um, when a pastor should um, set aside other things so that way he can guard his time with his family, the importance of being a godly man, and um, just overall things related to being a family man. So, Pastor Joe, Pastor Lee, you both have a wife and children. So, why is it important that a pastor be a godly husband and father, assuming that he has a wife and children? Yes, well, I I think that's a very important question indeed, uh, Austin. When you look at the qualifications for the eldership in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, both of those emphasize the man having his house in order, uh, ruling well his own house, especially uh, you'll recall that Paul develops that in 1 Timothy 3. If he doesn't know how to take care of his own house, how is he going to take care of the church of God? Uh, And and I would say, firstly, he must be, if indeed he has wife, children, he must be a a godly husband, a godly father, uh, because if not, He's not qualified to be a pastor. No way of thinking that this man is a, a gift that Christ is giving to the church. In fact, uh, it's clear from what Paul says there in First Timothy 3 that the man's home is going to testify to his proven ability to rule. So even as the man is being assessed uh, for qualifications, is he a gift that Christ has given to this church? Uh, well, you're going to be looking at his qualifications this way. How is he in his home? Is he taking care of his home? Well, it's not like you've got to be qualified from day one, but after that, you don't worry about 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those qualifications must be there. Uh, Maybe not all on a scale of 1 to 10, a 10, uh, but certainly they've got to be uh, observable that that man is still qualified. So that's the first thing I would say with the importance for the man being godly husband, godly father, if indeed God and his providence has given him wife and children. I would also add that, you know, nowhere in scripture are we commanded to be pastors. Now, God and his providence and by uh, uh, the direction of the church, yes, it can be recognized that we're suited for this, but we're not commanded to be pastors, whereas family men are commanded to be godly husbands, godly fathers. And then in addition to all that, one reason I think why 
uh, this is so important in the qualifications of an elder is because our role is to be examples to the flock. First Peter 5.3, for instance. Well, the domestic sphere uh, is so important not only for us as individuals, but for most of those members of the church. And therefore, they need to see exemplified what a godly husband and a godly father looks like. And so, again, when Peter says, be examples to the flock, I can say, yeah, and especially here, it's absolutely vital. So uh, that's my thoughts. But now, Joe, let me throw this to you. What do you think? Well, I don't think I could say anything better than you just uh, said it, brother. Uh, I, I can just reemphasize, you know, uh, there's got to be good reasons why God makes this uh, such an important mandate in both of the passages uh, that refer to elder qualifications. Uh, it's It's important because a large majority of the pastor's congregation is going to be families, uh, not that the minister is ever to uh, ignore the singles in his assembly, but the church churches are usually made up mostly of families, so he's got to be a good example. Uh, you cannot expect the men in your church to be what you're not, and you cannot expect other families in your church to be what your family is not. And uh, the only other thing I'll say is I, I really am glad that the question says, uh, assuming that he has a wife and children, uh, because some people uh, take this, and I believe they read into it a lot more than the text is saying, when they will uh, indicate that you've got to be married to be a pastor. I don't believe that's what Paul is saying. Or you have to have children. I know there are people who actually believe that. that if you don't have any children, then you're not qualified to be a pastor. That's not what the text is saying it's simply saying if you have a wife, if you have children, then you must rule your house well. You must be a godly husband. You must be a godly father. Hmm. Amen. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the importance of being a godly husband and a godly father. If you are uh, to be a pastor who has a wife and children, um, we also want to talk about the importance of spending time with your family, actually being there and caring for their souls and and being present with your family. So throughout the years, what have been some ways that you have tried to prioritize time with your families while laboring in pastoral ministry? Well, um, you just mentioned about uh, shepherding the souls of your family. That is your first pastorate. Uh, is your family. And uh, one thing that, uh, uh, not not at the very actual beginning, but when I came under the, uh, when God blessed me to become associated with the Reformed Baptists, they emphasized so much the importance of family worship, family devotion. And through the years, God has enabled me to be very consistent in having time each evening with my family, either in the Word or reading through uh, a good book, a time of, of, of uh, worship and devotion together. That is so important. Uh, a pastor who doesn't uh, practice that has got to start thinking about and implementing that. It's just uh, so important a matter. But other than that, you have to make time. And you're going to you're gonna have to do that sometimes. Because, because uh, 
there are going to be times when you're going to be called upon to sacrifice time with your family. And therefore, when you're not called upon to sacrifice, don't waste those opportunities. Go to your kids' ball games. Go to their recitals. Go to go to their banquets. Never, never miss an event that you can easily present at. And I'll say for the most part, when I could be at my kids' games back way, way back yonder. And now when my grandchildren have uh, events, I try to go on vacations with them. Uh, I try to get together with them. We try to have them at least one, sometimes two afternoons a week. Uh, because we we value the time that we spend with them. Uh, so that's what you have to do. You make time to go to their events. You go out of your way to do things that interest them, even things that may not interest you yourself. Um, I could give examples. You know, my, my daughter, Deborah, I've mentioned her before. She has Down syndrome. She's 47 years old. She lives at home uh, with us. She loves Southern gospel music. And while uh, some of it I like, and some, some of it I, I think is too much performance oriented for me, many are the Southern gospel events that me and my wife have taken Deborah to because they're wonderful times in her life. Um, so you need to be willing that. You need to be willing to play board games with your children and now with my grandchildren, even though they beat me most of the time. <laughs> uh, I will say this too. Uh, we've talked before about the value of plurality of elders. A plurality of elders can be very helpful in allowing the pastor to spend more time with his family. Sometimes uh, an, an elder can afford to miss a particular event, church event, and do something with his family because he's got fellow elders who can relieve him and and who can uh, can be there for him. And I don't think that in, in that case, uh, CBTS uh, at a meeting that we had, pastor uh, one of our pastors who has young children had a birthday party for one of his kids, had a couple of ball games. He missed that. And I felt like that was wonderful that he could because he had two other fellow elders who could be there in his place. So, again, there's the value of a plurality of elders where um, you don't always have to be the one that shows up. Sometimes you know the job is being done. You know the church is not being uh, minimized. Uh, you know that uh, church... Uh, families are being taken care of, even though you may not specifically be the one doing it uh, at that time. So there's another plug for the value of uh, uh, plurality of eldership. Yes. Lee, hang on this question. Well, you know, I can certainly uh, sympathize with pastors who have a lot on their platter and feel like they just don't have time uh, for their families. Uh, it's not a right thinking, but uh, you know, I can recall when uh, my first pastorate, I, I worked full time, third shift, and uh, uh, was preaching twice a week and uh, doing prayer meeting midweek. And uh, it, it was difficult. But one of the things I 
was careful to do by God's goodness is I safeguarded our Saturday afternoons. We would go out and do things as a family that, that, uh, and we just have the one little girl and uh, she was a teenager at the time. Uh, but, but we would always try and make conscience that my, my summer preparation is, is, it's done by around lunchtime Saturday. So we have Saturday afternoon up until evening time when I'm you know, trying to get back into the routine of things for the Lord's day, uh, that we just do fun things together or just, uh, go visiting, uh, family or go uh, doing things that we all would enjoy because again, it's so important, uh, to do those fun things together. You know, when Solomon writes in Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me your heart. He didn't really, didn't simply want his son's ears. He wanted his heart. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't make time? And, and so as, as my brother Joe has already intimated, vacation times, uh, fun family activities, these things are, are very important. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9 talks about rejoicing with the wife of your youth, even when you're no longer in your youth. There's those uh, uh, joyful times together. But on a day-by-day thing, one thing I think is also very important is meals together. You know, we live in a, a, a cultural context now where families may not even see each other at mealtime uh, in contrast to how it was back when the earth was young and, and uh, I was a uh, a wee lad, uh, but but I think to make conscience of having meals together. I know that gets even more of a challenge when uh, kids get older. They're teens. Maybe they're working uh, extra jobs. But for us as as pastors in particular, uh, what a good time! Many will have their family devotions in connection with meal times. But but at least the evening meal uh, or t- together, I think, is is vital. And in order to interact and and just again spend time together, hopefully in a very enjoyable way. So, yeah, I might. The last uh, question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Something else. Uh, when I introduce uh, Southern Gospel into this podcast, I hope that uh, I have not offended anyone who absolutely loves Southern Gospel music. And I hope I have not offended anyone who actually hates Southern gospel music by my remarks thereon. I I do confess I have been to many Southern gospel concerts, primarily for my daughter's sake. All right, we can move on now. (laughs) Well, perhaps in a future episode, we can topic analyzing Southern gospel music. But for the last question of this conversation, We'll ask this question. Though there are noble and necessary tasks that inevitably draw the pastor away from time with his family, what might be some unnecessary things that draw the pastor away from family? I I would say uh, it's possible. It can be a real dangerous temptation to be inordinately consumed with a hobby, with a sport. Uh, pastors can, and, and I used to play a lot of golf or try to, I never, I never did much good with it, but pastors can become obsessed with their hobbies and their recreations with the, the golf course or, or whatever. And, and, a, and a pastor does need to be prepared to spend less time on some legitimate recreations if they get in the way of pastoring his church or as we're talking about today 
spending needed time with his family. I do think that a pastor needs some recreation. He needs some diversion, uh, but he must be careful not to exceed reasonable limits uh, when he has a church to take care of and he has a family to take care of. No. Uh, no. By the same, uh, another possible temptation is to spend too much time with, quote, the guys. You know, your fa your family, it's great to have uh, wonderful friendships uh, with, with other brothers in Christ, but not at the expense of, uh, of family time. Uh, hmm. The majority of the pastor's non-church time belongs to his family, and he needs to discern that and be careful of anything that would... Uh, would crowd it out. I know I've only given a couple of illustrations. Lee, maybe you can help us out with some more uh, illustrations. Well, it, you know, I, I think of those words in Song of Solomon about the little foxes uh, spoiling the vines. It, it, it's we can be on guard against the big things, the hobbies and and uh, those interests, but forget that. Boy, I can get consumed with checking emails or news headlines, or maybe somebody's into mm -hmm. social media, and, and these are not necessarily recognized as as being big time consumers, but they can be. Uh, and so even though, for instance, checking emails, well, yeah, you got to do that. Uh, but to just take care that these things are not the little foxes there that also spoil the, the vines. And, and I just to say, it's important to balance all of these things and uh, to how to keep them all on the, on the platter, because there is that uh, right and legitimate uh, recreation, which recreates, uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's, it, it can be a distraction. I would have to say as a rule of thumb, anything is going to be to the detriment of the family and family relationships, family times even. Uh, I think we really need to be careful there because again, going back to that, uh, we're not commanded to be pastors. We are commanded if we're married uh, yeah. to be uh, husbands, uh, godly husbands, and if children, then godly fathers. And, and therefore, nothing should be allowed to be a detriment in that regard to take us away from what is clear God-given duty. And, and I would say even things that we might label as noble and necessary in the pastorate, uh, hold on. Uh, am I called to sacrifice duty? I don't think so. Uh, but if that's so with even things noble and necessary, at least in uh, some uh, moderation there, well, how much less should the unnecessary be allowed to infringe on the good of the family and family ties? So yeah. that would be my thoughts on it. Amen. In this talk, we have talked about the pastor and his family. We've talked about guarding your time from unnecessary things that would draw you away from your family. We've talked about the necessity of being a godly husband and father, assuming you have children. And we've talked about some healthy ways to prize time while being a pastor. Again, we hope this conversation has been profitable to you. Again, we encourage you to send your questions to pastors inbox at cbtsmary.org. You can submit your questions to the CBTS Facebook group. Until next time, grace and peace.